Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. And today, we are uh, making good on uh, something I think I introduced as a, as a future topic a long time ago, which is that we're going to do um, a podcast-length uh, study specifically of um, one of uh, Zizek's uh, books. And there is uh, no better place to start than the start, That's I right. think. The start in uh, English, right? Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Because it was the most sublime hysteric was out. And yeah, that was in French. And I think he writ- wrote uh, like five books in Slovene, so... So yeah, because no one, because no one. I mean, uh, you you push him a little bit, but nobody writes more than he does. <laughs> That's true. No one does. No That's one true. does. <laughs> so uh, the sublime object of ideology, as you can tell from the uh, title of this episode, is going to be our topic today, um, and we're going to go through the book um, systematically, which you, one can do with this book. Um, it's it stands out in uh, two different ways. This this. Uh, I've, I said this to you a long time ago that this book is like, um, in many ways, it's like the big bang of, um, of Zizek, uh, topics and, uh, and, and I, and, and, and ideas there. Are, if you read something, um, more recent, like, uh, less than nothing, um, or, uh, uh sex in the failed, uh, absolute that like you, the kernels of those projects, like 30 years later are, you know, 20, 30 years later are in this book. Right. Um, I think that's right, except, and I think you told me this, and I think you were right, except Christianity. I think that's the one thing. Yeah, there's a little bit. There's a little bit about the um, positioning uh, Christianity and Christ and and lack and love. Like, there's a little bit, but it's not not until the fragile absolute that he... he, um, Right teases that out and you can kind of tell because that's a that's a slim volume but it's a great it's i mean that's a great book it is really good yeah and really really important for his for his thought um but uh what we want to do with this as we do uh, so often is to give a little um uh historical background and then we're gonna um work through it so i think um and we're gonna engage with some of the arguments and 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 uh see where they move forward so this is uh not a not necessarily a reader's guide or a, or a companion piece, right? We're going to like be, be right. working through this and, and showing what the, um, you know, where, where the invention is and why this is uh, so significant because it's, it's like, I mean, the book comes out in 1989 and really, um, for, uh, psychoanalytic theory, for ideology critique, for studies of, of Hegel, this, this was seismic, right? It was seismic. Yeah. I think that's right to say, I, I mean, So my acquaintance with it, so I was in graduate school. I had not, I had read Lacan in a, a, I have to put red in quotation marks, right? Because I I didn't, I had read just the Sheridan Mm Acree, which is just, you know, it's a bad translation of things that are not intelligible anyway. So uh, that's a tough one. That Um, should go on the back of the book. Um. (laughs) So... So I had read that, and I was like, this Lacan guy, he's just like Derrida and whatever. And, and mm-hmm. so I was very, very dismissive. I thought it was like all part of what at the time I called, I now know better than to call, post-structuralism, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, 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 and Slavoj actually uses that term in his introduction here to say what he wants to do is to distinguish Lacan from that tradition, right? So, mm-hmm. so I, what happened to me was, so somebody in... So I was, I got my, I was started Ohio State in 1989. I got my master's in 1991. And then I started my PhD right after that. 
Mm-hmm. And so right as I started my PhD, a fellow PhD student who's Deleuze and loved anti-Oedipus, talked about it in class all the time, mm-hmm. hands me Sublime Object of Ideology. So this is 1992 mm-hmm. or 91, I guess. And, and I put it in my desk and just left it there. And he's like, you're, you're really going to dig this book. And so a couple months go by. And he's like, um, can I get that book? I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like, oh, I, I loved it. You were right. It's great. And I didn't, I never even cracked the cover. I didn't even look at the table of contents, nothing. So, so then I, a couple years go by. So it's 1993. Uh, my friend Paul Eisenstein and, and, and I and a couple other people started with Walter Mac Davis, our, our professor, a theory reading group at Ohio State. Mm. And the first book that we were doing, just so happened, was Sublime Object. And so I took it with me. I had just met Hillary, and I flew up to Boston over the Christmas break to to see her. And I, I read it on the plane, and I got to her house, and I immediately called Paul. And I said, <laughs> whatever you're—so this was way ahead of when we were going to do it for the, the group. The group was going to meet in, like, end of January and mm-hmm. talk about this book. I said, whatever you're doing, just drop it, stop it. We just— we found what we needed to find. Like, and so, and he agreed. He, he, he read it right away and we, we talked about it. I gave it to Hillary as a present. It was one of the first things I gave her. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it was just a puckle for me. And then I went back to Lacan, of course. And then, and, and I, I also had read the phenomenology, but I hadn't read it. And I, I noticed in my notes to Sylvain Object, I'm like, well, it's great and everything, and I love his. But his reading of Hegel, it's a great idea, but it's not in Hegel at all. It's completely crazy. So, <laughs> so at the time, <laughs> what would eventually become my own. In fact, I think I even pushed the idea of absolute knowledge even further than Slavoj does in the direction mm-hmm. of contradiction. Um, at the time, I, I was really resistant to, to seeing that as Hegelian. So anyway, so that was so for me. It was just this. It just the term used, I think, is really appropriate. It was seismic, and it was, I think, for a lot of people as well. Like it really, because it brought, it re-energized the I, what Lacan as a thinker, and then connected that to Hegel in a way, and saw Hegel as a thinker of the left, mm. in a way that I think people did not, no one had any idea of. So I think that's the thing. Things that almost seem common sense now, sure. I think they they just weren't when that book came out. Well, I mean, things we take for granted a little bit on the podcast, right? And and I think that uh, just the the, the important, like this, this listeners, the importance of the real, that's, that's, that starts here. Right, like it right. seems, that, that seems like impossible, but, but the, um, the popular reading of uh, Lacan, like we're like lots of good uh, and important, I mean, you know, Christian Metz, Laura Mulvey, like a lot, you know, a Bo- like a lot of people, like screen theory, like yep. just a lot of very, very important work. Even in France, lo- Raymond Bellour, Metz is French, right, right, yeah, right. It's it's all along the axis of the symbolic and imaginary, right? Like that's like that that relationship where where real doesn't doesn't play a part. But I want to I want to go back for a second because uh, two things about um, about the story that you just told is one, I don't think I knew that this was your David Copperfield, and what I mean by that is. Um, Freud gave, uh, David Copperfield, it was the first, first gift he gave to his future wife, uh, Martha uh, So, so I didn't, I don't think I realized this was your David Copperfield. Um, but the first time you told me this story and I don't know if, 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 if this is, um, well, anyway, you said what you said to Paul was, cause I always remember this is 
we found what we've been looking for. Yeah. yeah. That's how, yeah. yeah. I just yeah. didn't quote um, myself correctly, but that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I love. I, I think that's, I think. Well, it, yeah. I mean, that's what we felt like. It was this amazing moment where, cause we, the thing is we didn't want to, we were both really dismissive of psychoanalysis because we mm-hmm. thought that it didn't account for the social. Mm. And so, you know how we always say here that Lacan, like in a certain way, socializes Freud's Freud. thought. And I think yeah. Slavoj really, really brought that out. And so that was really important. And, and, and I have to confess, I also read Slavoj as a, a kind of existentialist. And that was, mm. that was the other thing that really m- stood out to me about this, about this book. Like I, I really felt like it brought all these things together in a way that we, you know, like our, our mentor, Mac Davis had kind of done that, but, but, mm. you know, you know, his, his thought was, I mean, there are a couple things like we didn't want to be slavishly devoted to our, our, our dissertation director and mentor. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of it. But I think the other thing is his, his thoughts kind of idiosyncratic. Like it's not, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it's also based more on, and this is, I think one of the key differences, it's based more on feeling and, 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 and I, and, and not so much on the idea. And he never would say like, he was very much in this a kind of anti-enlightenment mm-hmm. movement. And one of the things that stands out about this book is the way that Slavoj openly links Lacan to enlightenment thinking. And I think for us, that was really, that was a really important, an important move. And, 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 and in the embrace of universality, although that doesn't come out, I think as much, uh, openly as it does, would, would come out later. Yeah. More of a, um, more of a, a kernel, I guess, but the, yeah. the, yeah, the, the, there's a lot. So, I mean, so it's like really two things about this book is that there's a lot here that he will iterate on return. Like he, um, I mean, actually, this is like quite like the the next the next book is for they know not for they know not what they do right. Is that uh, the next I one? I can't remember. The... I think looking in awry looking awry and that one both came out in ninety one. So I'm not sure which came out okay first, but yeah, those two well, are the next two. In so looking awry, much more about film theory. Um, yeah. And uh, for they know not what they do, one of the things that he picks up a thread from this is that he's more uh, he's more pro democracy in sublime object he is. than in. Yeah. And so he kind of, that's it's one of the only thing things. he, you know, he, he still likes this book, but it's the one thing he thinks is a weakness. Mm, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, like he would, he immediately corrects it like, or, 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 or works, works against that reading in for they know not what they do. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Which is a, another great book. The pref, the preface that he added to the second edition though, is like, is, uh, to, to not make a pun is sublime. It's fantastic. That, that, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, um, I think I said to you once, I think it's better than the book itself, but that's, we can leave that for the time that we do. We would cover that, maybe cover that book. But yeah. the, um, there are things in this book though, that he gets into that are different. Like, I mean, for one, we're going to go through this section by section. There are three major sections. It's not that long of a book. That's not typical. Like there's no. a lot, like a lot of the, lot, a lot of his, other books, especially especially more recently, you've got these like the uh, oh I don't know. It's like it ends up being like the structure of a like a David Mitchell book or like I don't know Mark Danielewski or something like that. Like the um, that there's you get the section of an introduction and then there's an interlude and then there's something that iterates on the interlude and then you go back to the main argument for a little bit and then there's like another one that picks up another thread and it's very, and, and for covering it 
in a single podcast episode, like we, I don't think we could do less than nothing. We right. Were, like we, right, we couldn't right. be comprehensive, I guess is what I'm right. trying to say. Like we, we could pick up a couple ideas maybe, but it's just, it so would be this, hard to identify a, a through line that he sticks to throughout the whole, throughout the whole yeah. book. I think, I think, I that's, think that's true. Right. Yeah. He does. He, Cause he hits things more like it's more, um, more like provocations. It, it's, right. it's like there, there's, right. there are like right. topics, general ideas he comes back to, and then you get like different uh, shades and shards of engagement. And I think that that ends up becoming more prominent uh, the more he writes. I think that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I think that this book, it's funny because when when we first read it, we were like, mm. he, he kind of goes all over the place, you know? So, <laughs> so we, and I think it's because of this, this way that he has of, and, and this was, this was a stylistic thing, but I think it's really, I think we shouldn't discount its importance that he, the way he weaves between popular culture examples and mm. high culture examples, like he'll go from Kafka to a, to a joke to mm-hmm. Stephen King, you know, I don't know if there's Stephen King here, but like that, or to, but I'll go to Jane Austen and then I'll go to yeah. a, a, a Heinlein science fiction novel. So there's this kind of real movement all around to make the point. And so that's something that he really, that facility of moving from high to low, I think that that's part of his legacy as well, that people yeah. do that all the time. Well, I mean, like that's, I mean, how, how often do I reference to Simpsons on this podcast, right? right you know, like right, that, right, that's right. just a, a it's, it seems, uh, I mean, a lot of people do, it's not just me. A lot of people do this in, 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 in our field. I mean, I think that that's part of the, um, cause he doesn't just, uh, like looking awry is not, uh, you know, the next, maybe the next book, uh, which is more, uh, concrete on, on film theory. Like he, he doesn't go strictly to like highbrow film or, or, you know, uh, no. like it's, it's, he's, it's very much. I mean, there's like a whole chapter on popular porn. culture. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, so yeah. So it's definitely not, it's definitely, <laughs> unless you think porn is. It's highbrow. I mean, it's definitely yeah. And I mean, Hitchcock would be about the highest brow film. Well, he, he does have the fright of real tears, maybe, because that book is all about um, Koslowski, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's kind of, Koslowski is art cinema, right? That's that's yeah. true. Yeah. Although that is the only book of his that's out of print, so maybe that says something. <laughs> <laughs> um, not about the book itself, which I think is great, but I but I think it it it, it uh, maybe appears as like I don't know anti. Zizekian in a sense because in a sense right because like you can really name the art directors that he talked like he I I don't know that he's ever talked about Bergman or very very seldom right Mm, there's that's a good point almost never about Antonioni Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. maybe one I think he talks about the end of blow up uh, briefly at one point Uh, Fellini appears a little bit I think Fellini a little bit right and then I was going to say like the other like the like the like uh, Tarkovsky gets a mm-hmm. there's a there's an essay on Tarkovsky, but you know he he even we were talking about the Tarkovsky's final film, The Sacrifice, and he said mm-hmm. he's like, should I do? Is it worth it? I don't know. It's long. I don't know if I'm gonna. So like he, he this was only a few <laughs> years ago, so he hadn't he hadn't seen it. So I think that that's a it, it's interesting that he tends to like art cinema tends to be not that important for him. And, well, it, you, but, it makes sense, but, right? Because he wants what he wants to do. I mean, this is uh, it's demonstrable in the like in in his uh, introduction to this book is like he wants to take he wants to take Lacan away from being uh, like just an obscure 
pontificator, yes. Yes. and and he needs the, the so the 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 reference like or references I should say um, to pop culture help him to make that uh, that connection to to like to de to demystify Lacan, and if he's doing highbrow references, then which isn't to say that there's nothing to be gained from you know yeah. Tarkovsky and 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 yeah. psychoanalytic film theory or whatever, but it's just but he doesn't do that. Um, partially to combat the 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 notion that this is just th- this these are elite ideas for elite thinkers. Right. Although what's interesting is he does go back and forth in literature, right? So mm. he'll go to mm-hmm. Aust, like really classics, right? Like Austin, Kafka, and then he'll go to science fiction. So, so you know, Heinlein, con- yeah. yeah, Heinlein. So not as not as classic. So mm. I think that's interesting that in film he he kind of keeps it low. I mean, this is just his taste, I think. I think his literary taste is much higher than his filmic taste. So, th- mm. so that's another thing. Like, he's, he's using just the examples that are ready to hand for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's different than, whereas I think most people set out to write a book. They're like, okay, what do I, I'm going to, this is my, this is where I'm going to apply the theory and this is my, this is my yeah. object, right? And he doesn't ever do that. Like he, and, and I think it's, you can see that the, the like, What's interesting is the object really advances the theory. It doesn't just, it's not just a case of the applying of the theory to the object. Yeah, no, and that's the, that is just such the break and such an important part of, so important. of, of what Zizek does. And I want to, I just want to go back to what you just said and underline it because when he is, um, it's important to be able, especially for um, like advanced uh, undergrads and then uh, in, uh, graduate students or, you know, or, or, or when you're coming to grips with, with this theory, just like a, to be able to, to see an example, like a filmic example, literary example, whatever, of one of these ideas and to be able to apply the theory to the object to open it up a little bit. That's right. absolutely, totally, totally important. Um, the invention and, and importance of what uh, Zizek does is to show how the object tells you something about the theory, something right. new. Right. And it, it opens up a dimension of the theory that is not apprehensible without the thing. And it's, it's, it's really important to do that because the, the, if all you're doing is applying theory to an object and n- not showing how the object opens something up about the theory, you're collapsing one to the other. And it's sort of like saying like, like at no point is Zizek saying like, Oh, if you've seen Hitchcock, then you've read Lacan. So you don't need to read it, you know, or the other way around. If you've read Lacan, you don't need to watch Hitchcock. You've seen it all. Like it's like, no, like these two things open up dimensions of each other that you can't get otherwise. And and it's, it's very, very important. Right. Right. That's why he can say like early on in the book, like, what then can we learn from Kafka, right? Like, yeah. like his point is not, oh, how can we apply this Lacanian idea to Kafka, but instead, what can Kafka teach us? And I think that is the key, that's the absolutely key thing, that, there, that, mm-hmm. that Kafka actually teaches us about how ideological interpolation functions. And it's, it's almost like Kafka becomes the basis for him to replace Althusser's theory of ideology, right? Like, yeah. like, like it, it's almost like, I think he even says this, like that Kafka kind of develops a criticism of Althusser before Althusser even wrote, you know, like that, yeah. so, so that, you know, because he, Kafka grasps this dimension of enjoyment within the, the interpolation that's completely absent 
in Althusser's account of ideological interpolation. I mean, I think the opening section, don't you think that the big, the big thing is this, I'm going to create a new theory of ideology. I mean, yeah, I think, no, it's, inc- it's yes, right. Absolutely. I mean, and well, he, we've said it on this, um, we've said it on this podcast before, or, well, you've said it, so I'm, I'm not going to take your words, but that, um, uh, Marx has no theory of ideology. You've said that a number of times, but for Slavoj, that's not true, right? He, he, um, he roots the theory in, they don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it. That's right. That's right. Which and, is why he thinks that today, cynicism, I mean, this is something he says here that he doesn't really repeat often, that cynicism is the dominant form of ideology today. And then he has this great, yeah. I love this definition, that the function of ideology is not to offer us a point of escape from our reality, but to offer the social reality itself as the escape from some traumatic kernel, right? Like that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I think that's the almost exact quote. Like, I think that that idea is really, I think that, that that seems to me like a new theory of ideology that's, that's informed, you know, it's funny because Althusser's theory of ideology was informed by Lacan for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it comes back to what you were saying earlier, that it's really about the symbolic imaginary axis mm-hmm. that Althusser was operating on. Yes. Whereas yeah. Slavoj's notion of interpolation brings in this dimension of the real as what ideology allows us to avoid. Like that's yeah. basically, mm-hmm. I mean, you could basically say, what is ideology? Oh, well, that's how we avoid the real. That's yeah, that's theory. really nice. That's yeah, yeah, and 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 one of the concrete ways that we avoid the real is by taking a cynical position up relative to the symbolic. Right. right like like that's right. and I and I think I think you're right that, that that doesn't come up quite as quite as much. Yeah, I don't think he uh, talks about it, you know, because he has this whole stuff with Slaughterdyke. I think he had read yeah, yeah. Slaughterdyke's mm-hmm. critique of cynical reason right before he wrote this book. And so Sometimes when he's read something that's on his mind, he'll engage it. But mm. what's funny about that book, because I went to that book right after I read this, because I'm like, oh, wow, that's going to be this crucial book for me. But it's, it's, it's a weird book because it is somewhat critical of contemporary cynicism. But mm-hmm. he has this whole, it's also a celebration mm. of Diogenes, the true cynic. So, so, right. so, so Slaughterdyke wants to like have... He wants to have his cynicism and, and, and eat, it, eat too. it too. You know, like, yeah, yeah, he wants to destroy it too, right? Like he wants to say there's this real authentic kernel of cynicism. And I don't know, like I think Slavoj would say, well, no, Diogenes is even worse than the contemporary. I mean, he does have this thing where he says, he taught, he, I think even includes somewhere, Pla- maybe it's here, Plato's critique of Diogenes. So it's, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that, that even though he's borrowing a little bit from Slaughterdyke, he's also really he's really being critical in developing this notion of cynicism. Can we play this out for a little bit? Yeah. Uh, we don't, I, I, um, we don't have to use an example that Slavoj uses, but we just to show the, the idea working. So the, the, the two, the two ideas are um, uh, like, so he take, he extracts from Marx, this notion of ideology. They don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it. And how he pushes that is to see even in, cynicism or cynical distance like where one thinks they have um taken themselves out moved to a place of total non-engagement with something that even in that gesture they're participating 
in the proliferation and expansion of ideology. Right. That's Flavoy's idea. Can't like, can we work through an example? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I just saw a great example actually. Awesome. So, so, uh, <laughs> Amazon <laughs> under pressure from, I guess, cause people saw nomad land and they were, they saw these workers. I don't that's know. That's Hulu. That, no, that's Hulu. That's so funny. <laughs> anyway. But um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I, yeah, cause I don't think no, man, I, I have a, I would have a whole critique of no man land because I think it's a, <laughs> I think it was financed by Bezos and Amazon, but, um, yeah, secretly. well, because it doesn't like so many things like, like the, the capitalism is not named. No, right? not at all. Not at all. Not at yeah. all. And it's, yeah. yeah. So that to me is the real sin of the film. But anyway, um, uh, so Amazon is, in response to some pressure, mm-hmm. they've installed a mediation booth. Yes. Sorry, not a, I, that was such a funny Hegelian slip. A meditation <laughs> booth within <laughs> their excellent. ever on the factory floor, so the worker can okay. go in there to kind of get away and and zen out for a yeah. few minutes, not for long, obviously. But, oh, personally, no. Because um, they don't even have time for the whole thing is they, they have to, a lot of them have to urinate like into a thing or, yep. you know, while they're on the on the line. And 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 so that would be, I mean, it's such an obvious, even CNN mm. was like, oh, this is probably not, you know, this is probably functioning, they didn't say this, but it's probably functioning ideologically, right? Like the, yeah. And this is, I think, Slavoj's whole critique of Western Buddhism, that mm. these top executives... Go, you know, go, go to these retreats where they like don't think about the business world, but that's the very thing that allows them to engage in that in the world of, of the commodity. So that would be, I think, for him, the perfect cynical act, cynical thing. That like the Amazon thing is like so obvious. Anybody, yeah. can, you don't even need to interpret it almost. No, it's really not. There's that. There's that famous essay, um, right? Mick mindfulness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, uh, that's uh, more, more recent than, um, much more recent than the sublime object of, of ideology, but it participates in the same, I think al- along the same track right. of like right. you, you're not, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a way, it, what it is, is a, um, like that's a, like that's a corporately, uh, designed, like literal physical space that gives you an opportunity to not encounter the real. Right. Right. As, as we just said, like, that's like, that it's a, um, and and anyway, so it's a, it's a, um, a space that uh, allows for, as Altazir would have said, like for the, um, uh, the material existence of ideology to continue to like produce and reproduce itself. Right. In exact, in, in exactly the status quo way that it has been working. Right, and, and uh, the other example, Slavoj gives an example of the of cynicism. This is later, not from Sublime Object, of, you know, the 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 stock trader who says, "Look, I know money just it doesn't it's not really anything. It it only it's just a it's a fetish object." And yeah. like that that very seemingly Marxist critique by mm-hmm. the stock trader is actually itself an example of the way ideology works. Like it allows yeah. you because his point here is. And I think it ties into that line for they know not what they do, right? That they're mm. that it's what we do, not what you believe, that yeah. is where ideology is located. And I think what's interesting is I think that's slightly different than Althusser. I mean, Althusser mm-hmm. probably would agree with that, but he doesn't theorize that or articulate that. And I think that's been a really, I think that's been an important thing that Slavoj has done, starting in this book. That this mm. notion that it's it's not what you 
believe inside. It's what you're actually doing that really matters, right? Like, and I, he yeah. cites later on this idea from Pascal, you know, like kneel down and pray and then you'll believe. Like, I think right. that's how he sees ideology working. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, no, that's a super example. I mean, and it's, uh, I mean, you can, I mean, even with, with, uh, like religion as, as an example, like, um, what, I mean, doesn't, does it not also follow? I mean, I think this is his, um, his critique of the, uh, like the, the new atheist is not that he's not also an atheist, but it's that the way that, you know, people like, um, uh, Sam Harris and uh, who's who's who am I thinking of the uh, Dawkins, Dawkins and like, Daniel Dennett. like yeah those yeah are the three big guys yeah yeah they what they do and I mean because they think what they're doing is important but what they're what they're doing is they're courting uh, they're courting bad arguments from religious people to show how illogical it is which maybe has some benefit for some people, but it, but it, it just calcifies this like dichotomy between atheists and religious people that like, that all the atheists want to do is destroy. There's nothing to it. And this is, this is Slavoj's critique, which is, which his angle is to come at it. Like, well, if you read, if you take religion seriously as an atheist, it shows this core to it that, um, you know, supposedly devout people, don't see they and don't see, it, right. they right. don't see right. and actually it's that move would have uh like a more a profound uh well i don't know like a a, a separation between like um like churches uh, and and and, instit- uh, and like institutional uh, uh violence it, 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 like like that that introduces the propers that introduces a separation that the like you know that Sam Harris and Dawkins like claim they want to do right that's, right, that, I, I like, that's, right like right like I I, I, I I don't come to bring peace but a sword right like I think yeah, that's yeah. really Slavoj's I think he sees a this is of course later but a radicality mm-hmm. to Christianity and I think you're right to say that the other thing that that this book is really about is surplus enjoyment, that that's yeah. what the Marxist conception of ideology doesn't account for. And mm-hmm. and that's what the new atheists don't account for either. And it's their yeah. own surplus enjoyment in refuting the arguments of the, like they, they, they need the religious people, the stupidity yes. of the religious people in order for them to get off. Right. So for the, atheists and that, to get off. and that's and I, it. As yeah. I've, I've said this b- before on the show, like, and this comes from, from Slavoj, but like, uh, pessimism is expecting the worst, but cynicism is needing the worst. Right. Right. Uh, and, right. and, and you, when you need that, uh, when you need the villain, like to, prop up or support the, 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 the thing you do, then like you are just, you don't know what you're doing, but you're doing it. You know, you don't, you don't know that you're continuing. You're, you're actually like, you're radicalizing the, the, um, the religious support, but that's what you're doing. You know, like you're, you're making that a more attractive position. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. um, and so like, so I just want to, so the first we've talked, we've talked, um, uh, about through and, and around, I think a little in the first section, but the fir- first part of the book is uh, the symptom. Is there anything we want to talk about? Yeah, so I just far? would say yeah. that this is a thing. So here Slavoj links Freud's interpretation of dreams to Marx's analysis of commodity fetishism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that this is what he says here 
is something that will run throughout his thought. And I think it gets reemphasized again in Parallax view, but, mm-hmm. but then it, it does, I don't think it ever drops out, but I think there are just times when he talks about it. And that is that what matters is the form, mm-hmm. not the content that, that, and, yeah. and that for Freud, the dream work is the, is the transfer, the formal transformation mm-hmm. of the content. So, so you can't say that, Oh, I, I discover the, what the dream means by uncovering some latent content, like, oh, mm-hmm. hiding under my, that, that guy in the dream was really my father. Like that, right, that, that's, right. not the, that's not, you haven't just solved the mystery of the dream because <laughs> the mystery of the dream is the conversion of the father to the secret guy in the dream, right? So that, and, mm-hmm. and I, I think for Marx, same thing, that, that it's that movement made through the, like, in turning something into a commodity, it's that formal gesture where that's right. where the magic of the commodity or the deceptiveness of the commodity lies. And so it's interesting that, and I think this is one thing that he really reintroduces, and it, it's tied, I think, to the way that he wants to, like, what was so revolutionary about his not just applying a reading, that it's, he mm. pays attention to form. And so mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you pay attention to form, what's ironic though is his filmic readings are often not formal they're, readings. They're, they're very much content readings. They're very I much content, but, yeah. but which is, which is, and he, I think lately has kind of lamented that, that he, he didn't focus enough on form, but, but, but the, the convert, just very quickly, his yeah. reading of the conversation, I think is that that's a formal it's a very reading. formal reading, right? Yeah. Because it's about the way sound is deployed in the film. So, well, yeah, yeah, and and and, and spaces, anyway. right? So, yeah. Um, the uh, the thing I, w- I wanted to um, to add uh, to this is just with Freud. He, I don't think he ever says it like this in just a sentence. But it's not uh, what does it mean, but it's why did it look like that, right? Or right. or or like or why did it take that form? Right, and I think, right. yeah, and I, I, I think that's the that's like the the key question and the key gesture because it's not. Um, I do think that that the general idea of of um, uh, Freudian uh, dream analysis that's in in culture is it's like, oh, this thing is masking this other thing, and once you when you uncover it, that's the the secret truth of the dream. When Absolutely. he's not, right. when he's not interested in that at all it's like uh, like why did like uh, um the uh, the wolfman is a really great example of this it's like the the frame why the window frame right like that's the, the, that's like the most uh, i think Zizek talks about this like a like again uh, he's mentioned that several times i think yeah in different books and and uh, like this is the most this is the most important thing about it is like this this form of of appearance um which in so the uh I think in if you've if you've seen the conversation, the moment that he talks about in uh, the uh, I think that's the Pervert's Guide to Cinema, yeah. is um, when Harry Call um, uh, Gene Hackman's character goes into the he goes into the bathroom, the hotel room. Uh, bathroom in a hotel room and he's expecting to see to find evidence of a murder, and uh, he thinks this is Slavoj's point. He thinks it's going to be like psycho, like it happened, like the evidence is going to be in the shower. Yeah. Um, and what's, what is Gene Hackman's character doing? He's expecting a certain kind of form, right? That's the expectation. Right. He's expecting a certain kind of form and there's no evidence of it, but the entire time there was this, there's nothing in this bathroom. It's like starkly white. This is like, like utterly featureless, except there's this like ribbon 
on the toilet seat. Which they put, I think, after they've cleaned a toilet, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And uh, like, sometimes. which is a, yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. it's announcing itself as clean as an object. And right. he goes to it last and he flushes the toilet and all oh, his blood don't, don't comes out. Don't remind me of that. I, 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 I find that disturbing even just talking about it. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, I mean, it, don't you think it's like, it's one of yeah. the real disturbing, I mean, I don't watch horror films, so there's probably a lot more disturbing things out there. But in terms of like a mainstream film, that's one of the more disturbing scenes. I think it might have inspired blood. Kubrick. And the, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The blood. Because Shining elevator. is what, six years later? So yeah. It's in 80, yeah, 1980. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's that would be, that, that, I think that's a, a nice formal analysis by him. But yeah, no, this, it's a, it's... Um, and then even the, I think yeah. don't you think his analysis in the in Sublime Object of Jane Austen is formal mm. too, right? Like it's not formal on the sentence level, but mm. it's it's about the narrative form and how yeah. we need this misrecognition. So he's making a I think he even says like we can line up Austen's novels that Pride and Prejudice is her phenomenology. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Mansfield Park is her encyclopedia, or Mansfield Park is her logic, and right. and Emma is her encyclopedia. And I just, I, 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 you know, a friend of mine once said, I should, someone should, Slavoj should not. This is what he said. I, I said someone should, and he said, No, Slavoj should write a book where he really lays all that out. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I don't think he's, he's, he could do that. <laughs> but, um, but I think what's interesting is that he does, in his analysis of Pride and Prejudice, get at. I think mm. the way in which formal misrecognition has a formal function mm-hmm. that then produces the, the 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 plot the narrative structure has to have this misrecognition in order to arrive at the ultimate truth right and so yeah. that yeah. that that importance of the of the contradiction or he doesn't use the term contradiction here very much but the importance of the symptom like mm-hmm. the failure, so the failure of them to understand each other, I think he would say, is symptomatic in right. Pride and Prejudice. And he discovers the symptom formally, and then he sees that the symptom is actually charged with enjoyment, right? And so it's mm-hmm. interesting that that he that, that that's what he's he's getting to here that 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 this linking of and how do you understand how enjoyment functions in ideology? Well, enjoyment always occurs at this symptomal point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I write this, this, this is a great line. This is page 67 to articulate things in Hegelian terms, the perceived deficiency of the other each perceives without knowing it, the falsity of his, her own subjective position. The deficiency of the other is simply an objectification of the distortion of our own point of view. And that's, Right. Like this is where this right. he gets at this relationship between Elizabeth and Darcy. Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, it's so and, great. It's a, it's yeah. a really great point about the novel. I think it makes total, it, it just like causes that novel to just make a lot more sense immediately. Yeah. And you know, the, structurally uh, formally. I think. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. Cause I mean what he, and I mean, this is a, um, a thing that, uh, I think is, is a, this would be in the, the, the reading of Hegel that he, inspires like starting here is that like what what is he looking at in that example well really it's like it's the psychic form of hegelian thought which is um a little bit because we just did the kojov episode it's a little bit in in kojov but i think but kojov makes too much of um he makes too much of of uh 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 
I, I'm going to, the word that stuck in my head is identification and not misidentification. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 And so that's yeah. the, and I think in the Austin example, like you can see how Slavoj is pushing that. Right. right. That like the, the, um, the, 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 the misidentification form. is the crucial thing. Right? Yeah. And that's how you, that's the evidence of the, of the psychic form, I, right. which I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, that's, it's, that's super. Don't you think it's funny how he, so he, he, as he's talking about this, this excess, right? This, the, mm-hmm. the excess, which is the source of an obscene enjoyment at the end of this, of chapter two, he comes to a critique of Kant where he says mm-hmm. the categorical imperative that just says obey has this obscene supplement as well in mm-hmm. precisely in this demand for irrational obedience. And, and, and he, mm-hmm. then he says, this is Lacan's point in Kant of Exod. What's fascinating is not very much later, he's going to say the op, he's going to, his, his valuation of Kant is I think going to go way up. And mm-hmm. he's going to say that actually Kant of Exod is Lacan's attempt to say, to raise Sod to the dignity of Kant, not to right. bring Kant down to the level of Sod. So right, I think right. it's interesting here that this is, I think, the standard reading of Kant of Exod that he is going with. And, and, it's, all, and it's also quite, I think, anti-Kant in a way that he mm-hmm. later will not be at all. Like, I think later when he says things that are against Kant, they're only in, in terms of Kant didn't go far enough. Hegel went mm. a little further. Right, right. I think that's true. Yeah, that's right. Like he, he's, yeah, much, much friendlier. In, um, I mean, I actually like isn't. I mean, that's less than nothing has that. Le- less than nothing for sure. But even yeah. earlier, like tearing with the negative. I think the mm-hmm. subtitle is Kant, Hegel, and the critique of ideology. So, right, right. So already Kant has a much more. So that's you know five years later. So I th- mm. or four years later. So I think that's. I think that's a. I think there's a move. That actually is make he's making relative to relative to Kant. So what happens in the second section? Yeah, so the second section he calls Lack and the other, and then mm-hmm. so one of the things that he does is he he gives us this account of of what he calls Saul Kripke's anti-descriptivism, and you're like, what? Why is this even <laughs> in here? But what's interesting yeah. is this is not uh, repeated anywhere else. I don't think so. This is a one-off for for Slavoj. But I think the idea will, will, will stand. He'll just not use the reference to Kripke, uh, who's an analytic philosopher. So that's a kind of interesting, there's not usually this cross pollination between Slavoj, who's obviously a continental philosopher and, and Kripke, who's an analytic. Uh, but, but he, he likes this term from Kripke called the rigid designator. Mm -hmm. And, and his idea is that this, that, that, that this creates this designation, the name process of naming creates this surplus X, which is, that's what he just calls it here, an X, but mm-hmm. a source of enjoyment that then becomes, the, that allows for a quilting to take place. So, so for him, mm-hmm. that, that act of naming really can be, it, it is part of the way in which ideology functions. And so it's a, it's a, that part of what ideology does is that it quilts. Right. It, it, it right. quilts through this, like we give, his example is anti-Semitism. Like we give, we make Jew mean whatever cheap. And then that quilts mm-hmm. what that whole ideological constellation. And so that, that it's not so, so cheap then isn't just another term of description. It's an actual act of naming. And so that's right. where he, that's what he's getting from Kripke. 
And that we haven't mentioned this so far, but quilting point much more important. In oh, this much than, more important. Right. Than almost right. any other work. So that's a big. So that's a. That's a difference. That's a, I think that's a clear difference from from other work. But it make but it makes, uh, it makes sense. I think he often he often talks about, I think I think he often talks about ideological uh, like quilting, but just without quilting point as the right right but, the right. But I think yeah, that's right. But, but like, here he says even quilting point is the point of ideological interpolation. So wow, I mean that's like a yeah, huge that's, it's that's a huge, huge deal, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's um yeah that would seem. That would yeah that would that would seem like you know there would be more development on that but I think it's really like uh, as we t- I think we talked about in the narrative episode he talked about quilting point and the end of Casablanca and then uh, and then I think he just I don't know I I, I can't think of um, like d- further development I can't I either I can't either not can't not either. not references but development I I, I don't see right. so um. So that, that part's fascinating. And then, of course, in this section, this Kripke section, just to go back to the thing that, you know, we we take for, for granted about him, but he uh, goes through the entire example through Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right, and through like, the, and he, he's also explaining the graph of desire, right? Like that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're right, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, right? Like that's a big, that's big, a big one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the and so his point, and, and he, this, he does... Um, pick this up again with the, um, when he talks about, uh, Casablanca and the ending and quilting point is his, his point. I'm sorry. Quilting point. I'm going to say his point, um, is about radical contingency. Yeah. That's the, that's the idea that, uh, brings both of those, um, references together with quilting point is that it seems to make perfect sense. This is what you were just saying. Like, like if, because his example is anti-Semitism. So you know, we use that right now is that if Jew means cheap, then like, that just seems like, Oh yeah, of course. Why? Well, it, people say it and it's, and it's, it's through this. Um, it's, I don't know. It almost brings a quilting point to the status of like a Marxist, like reification where it's like through repetition, this thing seems as though it's a natural fact, but actually it's an index of radical contingency. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that, and, and that is in, in crucial for, uh, ideo- uh, ideological critique because that, that like, those are the, those are the sites that, um, that Slavoj goes to, I, I think most often, uh, is that like, what it, where, where is the thing that you take for granted that you just assume the absolute dominance or primacy of, like, there's some radical contingency there. And, and, and there's something that is, that is quilting that thing. That's and right. if, if That's we right. pick at that, right. Just like if you pick at the, the, the seam, the perfectly quilted part of the, of the chair, if you pick at that, it's going to make the whole thing fall apart. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Like it really does. Like he makes that. I mean, I don't think he does what maybe we would want him to do is like to, to show how, <laughs> All these different things, like quilting point, dusting, objet a, we could relate them all coherently. Of course, Lacan yeah. himself never does that. Never does. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's fair to say that that explicitly, at least, quilting point as a function of ideology is never as developed as it is here. I mm-hmm. think that's and and what's interesting is it's tied to this what he calls effect of retroversion, right? Like that that yeah. the quilting yeah. point. Go causes time to go backwards, so that we can then understand get the sense of what had happened before, and I think that's yeah. the key. That's the key thing. 
Yeah, I'm, I I just think it's so... I mean, it's one of my... I, I, it's just such a huge thing for me uh, and, uh, and the way that I think about... Um, seriality and, and, and retroactivity. It's just like, so Chris, the, I mean, again, we talk about it with, with Hegel all, all the time. It's a really nice, I, I mean, you could see him making more of it because the, the, the thing with both thinkers, I mean, I think this is true with Freud as well is to, like with Freud has noctroglicate, right? Like, he, like retroactivity, like it's just, is, is crucial for, for everybody. And Lacan has quilting point, which is this thing that he uh, mentions, it's in seminar three and then, uh, is it's subversion of the, of the subject, right? Or right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the only other, only other place really. Yeah. 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 And, but it's this, um, what all of these three things do like, like Hegel, um, uh, Freud, Lacan, like it's this, this notion of uh, retroactivity against any kind of telos, any kind right, of teleology, right, 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 any right, kind right. of linearity, any kind of linear knowledge, but it's to, to, to find these, uh, these, these moments that like you reconstruct what ha- like what is basically, you like, know, what's interesting. That, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, Jean Laplanche claims that, that there's no, that, that even though Freud makes this reference to noctroglycite, basically it's basically in the project for scientific psychology and That's then it kind of drops out. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And Which is like seminar three, by the way. It is because <laughs> right. it just it's only exactly, shows up there exactly one time. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. So, but Laplanche's point is basically causality for Freud goes from past to future. That it's yes. not so, and 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 I, I think that's basically true. But I think there is this undercurrent in Freud, mm-hmm. and I think that I think you could make an argument. I think somebody could write a book that would be pretty good that would say this is really Lacan's intervention. That he actually, mm-hmm. all he's doing is saying, there's this element in Freud where causality works the other direction. Yeah. From yep. future to past. And that's what really, and that's the key psychoanalytic insight. And, yeah. and all this stuff about how, like, because when you were little, something happened to you, and that's why you're doing what you're doing. All that's crap, right? Like, yeah. the real well, well, psych, I, yeah. No, no, I just, I mean, I... Th- think i mean i think that the the the, the future to pass the backwards uh, causality the etiology of trauma I, I i think is the is the a backwards looking arrow uh gravity's rainbow perhaps uh to um yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. you know like i, I mean he, he we talked about it on the podcast before it's you know something i'm writing in the, the this essay uh right now right is that the with uh noctroglycite with like even in the even in the English translation of uh, like the that Strakey prefers, that's not super good. Like deferred action, right? It's, it still gets at the idea. I just think it's 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 uh, it's so important that like you like the 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 thing that comes second causes the thing that happened first, because the thing that happened first was like either too horrible to have been registered as the experience at all, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And the the way that you can experience and understand it is how it curves signification around that event. Right. And I think that is mostly in the project. Laplanche is right about that. Even though Laplanche has his own idea of, uh, right. It's big for him. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think, so I almost think, I don't know, maybe (laughs) far be from, I don't think I've read enough Laplanche, but like you could look at that as, as being like a little tendentious, like, like while he's just saying that it's only in one thing in Freud and I'm going to make a bigger deal of it. Like for, for me, I don't right, know. right. I'm, so it, it kind of asserts his own significance, yeah. contra Freud, in, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it, 
anyway, but that's, uh, but I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm read enough on Laplanche to, to make, to make that claim. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about that, but, uh, but it <laughs> is, I mean, it, what is interesting is that, that the, the relationship between that notion of noctreglichite and backwards effect mm-hmm. to this question, because that's the thing that he's dealing with also in this section, is this question of the other's desire, right? This, yeah. the cave boy, like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, like, that, that, that it gives you retroactively mm-hmm. a question, an answer to that question, so that the, the, que- so, so the, 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 he even says, like, without this, some kind of answer, then this cave void just provokes an unbearable anxiety, right? Like, like mm-hmm. so, so I think that, and this is, I think, from the third, I know it is the third version of the graph where we get this cave void. Um, and I, I, so what's interesting is that he, he, he links, he links the troglochyte as a way of, it's a way that we avoid the horror of this enigma of the other's desire. Yeah. And that's, it. that's a different, right. That's different right. From, right. from, from, from Because I don't think that's in, I don't think that's in Freud. I don't even think I. I even am not sure. Well, no, but maybe. Um, I. I don't think look because he just doesn't talk about quilting point that much. Right. Like, I don't um, think. No. I think that's right. I think that Lacan, yeah. when he, when he theorizes the graph, I don't think because also he, Lacan never thinks politically like this. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like right. I think it's a like for Slavoj, it's a political question. This, because he's using the example of anti-Semitism in the Jew, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. what is the desire of the Jew for the anti-Semite? It's this, it's this thing that I need this quilting point to tell me, oh, okay, it's this, right? So, mm-hmm. so to gentrify, this is what he says, to, 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 to gentrify this, this cave away, right? Like, so that's mm-hmm. the, that I think, that seems to me a really, uh, that is such a, I think you're right that that's an invention innovation on his part an invention mm. I combined invention and innovation but uh, <laughs> both, both work either way yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um I think yeah no so it's it's I, I and I think where he gets there is the um is by emphasizing the the notion of the like the radical contingency because I think that in in Freud if you're going to go, if we're going to, even, even in the project, the way that Noctoglicite comes off is almost as though there is a destiny. Like there, there was going to be a second thing right, that was going right, to unlock the right, first thing. Right, right, And, and I, th- and, and because Lacan doesn't, he himself doesn't specifically develop a quilting point. I, I think it's on Slavoj to, to show that it's, um, it's not that there, there it, if there is something that is, like always going to happen is that there always will be a second thing. But I, I think his, his point is that the, the, the effect that retroactively causes the cause is, uh, is contingent. It's yeah. like that, that's in, that's in the air that could be almost anything. And then when it happens, it just seems like it was always going to happen that way. Right. That's his, right. that's, that's his point with the ending of Casablanca. Once it happens, you're thinking like, Oh, that's the only way it could have ended. But as as he shows, like it could have ended like four or five different ways, and you just thought the exact same thing because of how leading up to the the ending things played out. Right. So right. so that that aspect of contingency, I think, incredibly important. Which is also, I think, the key to his point about the way in this in this middle section about how interpolation can fail. Right. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. interesting. So the beginnings about how 
interpolation works successfully. And mm-hmm. then this section is about how interp- he reads the graph of desire as also showing us how ideological interpolation can fail. And that, mm-hmm. that you know, he, he, I think he has this one paragraph on on Hamlet where he talks about. I think his his point is that the reason why Lacan developed the graph of desire while discussing Hamlet is because Hamlet is the great example of a failed interpolation that he's trying to, Mm. his father's Mm -hmm. trying to interpolate him into something. And he rejects that because he can't, he can't, he doesn't know what to deal with, how to deal with the desire of the other. That is in this case, the mother. What's great is, his, he he summarizes Lacan's reading of Hamlet. It's what I think takes seven sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've always felt, I've read it like, I don't know, four or five times, but I've always felt that section was kind of disappointing. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't Lacan really say something great about Hamlet? But <laughs> I think this one paragraph, it's like, it's better, you could read this and then you don't have to go read that whole section in <laughs> seminar six, I think. Like, I think he really yeah. gets what's it. The, uh, what's the page number for, for listeners? Uh, what's the page number? Uh, page 135. Yeah. 135? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the, not in the original edition. So in the, you know, in the, I don't know, the Slavoj's Greatest no, no, Hits edition. Yeah. No, the one that everybody a, has, I think. Now. Yeah. 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 It's on 135 for me as well. It's yeah. I know, but it's not, that's not my original edition. edition Cause my original okay. edition's all, all different. They, Verso, that's just, there's no excuse for that. I don't think like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> That's Making funny. the new numbers, come on! I mean, that's, yeah, come on! Just yeah. like give us, give, give, give us the, yeah. give us the same yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is one thirty-five. Yeah, one thirty-five in the, um, yeah. in the, what is it? The essential Zizek. That's what I meant. Uh, the essential. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yeah. 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 Um, no, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's no, no, that's great. And I mean, this this all works really nicely. I hadn't thought about this. We talked about Hamlet recently, so I think this that yeah, yeah, yeah. As, yeah, as a as yeah. well. What was the what's the Shakespeare? Just as an aside. What Shakespeare play is it that Slavoj has that famous line that um, Shakespeare had to have read Lacan? Is it Henry V? What is oh, that? I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know what he's talking. I don't, I don't know. That. I, I'd like sure. to know. <laughs> it's in there someplace. I'm yeah. sure somebody. I'm sure somebody is um, uh, vacuuming, driving, uh, doing something, and they have the answer. Okay. Um, but uh, but I, I it escapes me at the moment. So. Um, I think uh, so. And I mean, this is what's important for him and for the way that he uh, talks about the subject. And just to put it in a sentence for him, and I do think that this is present in Lacan, but it's not, I don't think it's as pithy, is the uh, the subject as what's missing yeah. in the other. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, I, I think that that's why, I mean, isn't that why the injunction from Hamlet's father misses the mark? Because right. it's it's like a it's a it's like a fullness of the other. There's that's like right. there's nothing. Right. There's no lack whatsoever. That's so right. that's why that's why it fails to interpret uh, to interpolate. Right, right. Yeah. And then there's the problem of the other's desire that it can't name that desire. Right, it, it can't yeah. successfully name it. Right. Mm. I think that's right. Uh, yeah. And then and then I, I think this the 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 other part the other chapter in this part is really interesting because this is where I think he really takes up the idea of death drive here much more. Mm. So first he shows how it evolves in Lacan, how first it's a, a symbolic notion that death drive is. Well, first, actually, I think he thinks of death drive in what Slavoj calls a phenomenological way, and then mm-hmm. it's symbolic, and then it finally is this move beyond 
symbolization and the pleasure principle, right? Like this, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. pure repetition. Uh, and, and so I think, well, you know what's interesting? That I don't think anybody in America prior to Slavoj bringing this up talked about Lacan and Death Drive at all, zero. Mm-hmm. So, and not that much in France either. So there's one exception. And I, I think, to me, this just is a, a sign of his just... I don't throw this word around ever, but his brilliance is... Wow. It, and it, it's Rick Boothby. Like, Rick Boothby wrote nice. a book called Death and Desire, which mm-hmm. was about Death Drive and Lacan prior to Sublime Object coming out. Or so it came out. I mean, wow. he wrote it at the same time. So so it's a pre... I always think of books on Lacan in English as either they're before Zizek or they're after. And if they're before, right. they just belong in the garbage bin. <laughs> and and if they're after, slam. then they they have something to say. And but Rick's is the mm-hmm. only one that's a before that I think really, like you can read it today. I would recommend anyone to read it. It still holds up totally. Still, nice. it's still a great book. And it was his dissertation that he turned into a book. So it's it's oh, like man. it's kind of awe inspiring. It's, it's it's really you know because I look at my dissertation that became a book and I I weep. It doesn't exist. Yes, it doesn't exist. So it doesn't so, exist. so so I think that that's. I think this turn to death drive and to the importance of death drive, that's going to be something that for Lacan, <laughs> this is another one of those kind of like quilting point, right? Like yeah. death drive appears in seminar 11 and then it kind of reappears later, but, but never really. I mean, it really mm-hmm. gets this. It's one of the four fundamental concepts of psychoanalysis, but mm-hmm. unlike say unconscious or, Object, it doesn't. It it kind of goes away. So so it's really, I think, Slavoj who 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 secures this notion of death drive as repetition, as a, a, mm-hmm. a, a stubborn repetition mm-hmm. that is is there in Lacan, yes, but is not really developed. It's so fascinating too because the that's the when anyone if you read, I don't know any encyclopedia entry on. Lacan it mentions the return to Freud and what he rehabilitates in Freud is uh, death drive. I think that's what is like, I don't know, line two or three in almost any uh, encyclopedia entry of um, Lacan. But it's actually, um, I, th- I think we talked about this before, the reference, the actual references and development to uh, death drive are not as much as that, um, not as much as it would seem. No, uh, espe- no. especially given given the his. So really, what it is is his. He just takes seriously the drive. Right, is I think more important for his his right. overall uh, uh, work and production. He just takes it seriously as an idea, and he and he doesn't, and he also push. He also doesn't um, consign it to the to being a like an opposition to a life drive. Right, he, right, I mean, right. That's a key thing. Right. It's, a, right. it's, it's important. Yeah. It's maybe but it's not dialectical, it's, not dualistic. And that, that yes. my God, that's, that's huge. And that's of yeah, course I, Lacan's debt to Hegel Kojov mm. that makes him think in terms of dialectic and not in terms of dualism. And he always rejects Freudian dualism. So mm-hmm. I think that you're right. That's a big thing. But, but basically I feel pretty safe saying Death Drive is almost Slavoj's concept. Like it almost mm. is like the way he conceives it seems to me pretty much of a break. Like he 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 he's he because he's thinking of it here as you know he he brings up the between two deaths here and the mm-hmm. and 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 his bringing up the he has a reference to Walter Benjamin and I think it's a pretty fascinating he kind of goes through the 
thesis on the philosophy of history, what's what's it now called the uh, on the concept of history, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's really good. And I I think that this this the notion of like for him, death drive is this drive to symbolic death, right? Like that mm-hmm. I think is a really is a key becomes a key thing for for Slavoj. Mm. Yeah, no, and he I, he extracts that from uh, seven or seven. Right, 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 right. And right. W- which I think here, um, more important. I mean, this is almost no. This is I mean, this is a, a important because we are going to do more of these 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 episodes um, where we talk about um, Slavoj's work. Um, uh, seven is status, more important here than it is later. That's for sure. That's, that's exactly what I was what I was going to uh, yeah. ask slash state. Yeah, it's more 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 important here, um, which is really which is really interesting um, because the person. You know, we're not always in a position um, to uh, to say what we're going to do next on the podcast, um, but we are the next, and this isn't, um, there's still more to talk about here, uh, but the next episode we're going to do, we're going to uh, look at Joan Kopchak's uh, Read My Desire, because long past time we've done that, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, and But for her, I think that she might be, apart from Rick... Maybe someone for whom I, I I don't know that there's a Lacanian for whom seven or seven means more means more right yeah her and Rick so, would be the two right. right yeah they'd be the two but for here I think um, Zizek is in conversation with, correct with correct. them in in the, in that level correct. of importance correct um, and certainly for the way that I think the move he eventually makes he pushes a little bit more. Uh, do you think that he moves away a little bit from death drive as the drive towards symbolic death? Cause it, it does. Seem I think he does. Yeah. 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 It, it becomes more about, it becomes more about un, uh, undermining. Right. Um, which well, and also which it becomes more just repetition, thing. doesn't it? It becomes yeah. more just repetition. I think that's right. I think that the, the link, like he'll, he'll no longer think of this drive to symbolic death because I think it's part of his move away from seminar seven as a central mm. text. You know, yeah, that makes sense. And then, and the move away from Das Ding, right? Like that, it's interesting that Lacan makes that move. And I never thought of Slavoj making the same move, but I think, I think it is right because the sublime object of ideology, he basically says in the final section is Das Ding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, so, so clearly Seminar 7 is playing a, a crucial role for him here. There is, um, uh, I would like to turn to the the final sections. I think yeah. um like 1 192 193 to go back to the beginning where we talked about the importance of the real. These are just like indispensable pages uh where he uh he's going to say these I'm going to read right from 192 in the essential Zizek version that uh yeah from Verso that you you know we we have huge issues with uh with packaging and reprints <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so that's <laughs> so that's it. Um okay, it's so all our little fetishism that's, That's exactly right. right. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. So um, I want my I want my summary with all my notes to still be good, and then it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not not irrelevant anymore. Yeah. The real object is a sublime object in a strict Lacanian sense. This is in the middle of page one ninety two. Yeah. An object which is just an embodiment of the lack in the other in the symbolic order. The sublime object is an object which cannot be approached too closely. If we get too near it, it loses its sublime features and becomes an ordinary vulgar object. It can persist only in an interspace, in an intermediate state, viewed from a certain perspective, perhaps awry, as we come to later, right. half seen. Uh, if we want to see it in the light of day, it changes into an everyday object. It dissipates itself precisely because it, because in itself it is nothing at all. 
And then he uh, actually, he turns to, as we were talking about earlier, he turns to Fellini, uh, Fellini's Roma as an example. But um, for some that, reason, he likes that movie. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but let's unpack that a little bit because I think it's incredible. Like it, the the clarity, like you should like one uh, one reads Zizek and lives for the sentences that go. That is why blank is blank, right? Like right. you know, you know, or or the sentences where that are that begin with to put it another way or to put it simply, like you 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 you, you one lives for those sentences. So let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what you just got into? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no 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 no! Just like. Uh, w- one of the things that I think is significant about this, um, about this book that like, it's called the sublime object of ideology. It's not clear. It's, it's not a thing. Right. It's not like and a, I, that's not what like he a, says right here. Right. That is yes, not. Ex- yeah. Ex- yeah. And, and that's what's, that's what's, and, um, I don't think that that's to be obscure, but, I, but I think that the, the point is that the, I mean, it's like everything that we've kind of been like laying down and, and, and building up to is that like the, I think this is where, I mean, I don't think he doesn't in this section make the, make the connection, but this is where, you, you know, you have to see quilting point and its role here right. as well is, 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 is that as like, constitutive of that sublime object. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's why, that's why if you poke at it, 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 fall, it falls apart. Um, uh, I, I, I think, but, um, but everything is, you know, the sublime object is an object which cannot be approached too closely. If we get too near it, it loses its sublime features and becomes an ordinary vulgar object. So that's, so basically it, it turns, it turns a dusting into nothing, into no thing. Right. You know, like, right. Uh, to, to, to get too close to it. I, I think, um, it's a thing of I, nothing, right. Which is yeah. what Hamlet says of Claudius, right. Or the yes. king, the king is a thing of nothing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Sometimes you transcend yourself. I wasn't thinking about that, but that's <laughs> that's totally there. Um, yeah. No. Anyway, please. I want. I want what. what no. You I. I, that, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I don't really have anything to add. I think that that's <clears throat> that what you're you're really getting at is the way in which, and I think you're right to connect it back to quilting point. The point that that knots everything together and then causes this sublime object to appear. Yeah. With, yeah, in the space of an emptiness, right? And I think mm-hmm. that that—that's why he uses this example of this painting. I think it's in this section. Yes, yeah, the painting yeah. Uh, Lenin in Warsaw, mm-hmm. where you look at the painting, you're like, "Well, where is Lenin?" And uh, it's a painting of Warsaw. Where's Lenin? You, you see the, his wife and her lover in bed, and <laughs> and the point is exactly right. Like the that that yeah. it's what's absent, mm-hmm. and that. And that this absence is what really gets is is where is where our enjoyment is is structured, and that's what and that's what he's trying to show gets created through an operation of quilting. Yeah, right, right. It's not the quilting point. And just to be clear, it's not the quilting point itself that is like uh, you know we're not cl- collapsing the two. It's not quilting point is sublime object, but it is right. no, when no, no. something is quilted. Then the, then the sublime object becomes visible, right? Like, yes. Like yes. as this, as like for instance, like w- the example we gave of of anti-Semitism, like the, the the Jew is cheap, like that is the that quilting point then causes this sublime object of the figure of the Jew to rise up as a sublime object, right? So the quilting mm-hmm. point is different. Mm-hmm. Then what functions as the sublime object, which is an object of ideology, because his point is it blo- it doesn't what doesn't it allow us to see? And I think this this I don't think 
this is an interesting amalgamation of two times in Lacan, right? Like, because mm. for him, the sublime object or Das Ding covers over the lack in the other, right? Like, mm. or covers over what he will, he'll say later here toward the end of uh, chapter five, like that the, it covers over the non-existence of the big other. Okay, we've talked mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. The, maybe the problems with that, but yeah. but um, but but the, I think the idea is that 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 makes a lot of. I think that's a that's a pretty good formulation, and I think it goes way beyond. So Lacan's notion that the other doesn't exist comes mm-hmm. significantly later than Seminar Seven. Like, yeah, there's no mm-hmm. there's no theory for Lacan in Seminar 7 that Das Ding is this kind of, is, is obfuscating a mm. hole in the other because that would already be a theory of ideology and Lacan doesn't care really about ideology, right? So mm-hmm. so I think that is a, is a pretty important way that Lacan, that sorry, that Slavoj has already gone beyond what Lacan was doing because he's, a, this way he's amalgamating these two different moments in Lacan's thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, and, and you can, if you want to push uh, or, or bring uh, to the like to the contemporary moment a little bit like there the um, the example of it's so funny how um, anti-Semitism is now this cudgel to beat to beat down like leftists leftists like I know like I the know. the expansion of what constitutes anti-Semitism it like creates. I think like it's uh, I it it, it um, I don't know it it, it creates a, a, a sublime object in another way like yeah. like not yeah. not through anti-Semitism but through like it's like through through anti it, it is anti-Semitism but through like another uh, circuit right right yeah. right right like any critique of Netanyahu is yeah. is somehow right. anti-Semitic right like that right. I think you're right like that's pretty. That's right. And I, 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 I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's pretty good, that that's a one way, that's a good example, contemporary instance of how this, this is working. I mean, and then what I, what I really like about the last two chapters is the way in which he, he kind of opposes this, uh, the, the, that there's these two kind of things going on, right? Like the, on the one hand, there's this, subjective act, right? Because mm. I think he's already theorizing. He, he's getting to the... This gets more explicit in Enjoy Your Symptom, I think, the, a theory of what the act is. But he's mm. already starting to get to it. And like he talks about the way in which this this refusal to sacrifice the sacrificing, right? Like this, mm-hmm. So that's a that gets in the way of the act. Like the act has to be this act of absolute giving up, like this giving up of all your symbolic security. So his example is, um, like the, the, his example is one of his examples is Jean-Paul Sartre, who will, will give up everything about bourgeois subjectivity, except the form of bourgeois subjectivity itself. Right. So he doesn't, he won't give that up. And and so then he's unable to make this next act because he's holding on to this symbolic piece of his symbolic identity. So he ties here symbolic or subjective destitution to mm-hmm. the non-existence or the, I would put it like this, the lack in the big other. Mm. At the Like he's combining those two things, like saying we have to, the political act actually has to bring those two things into coincidence. I think that's, an, even though 
the word cynical doesn't appear in that. I think that's also like iterating on his notion of cynicism as, right. as, as ideological because you can't, because the cynical position maintains one's symbolic consistency. Exactly. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and what you, the political act can, can never do that. It, it like the, the radicality of it has to tear, uh, tear asunder, uh, the one's subjective position. And, and symbolic identity, right? Like, um, I, I think what would it be like? Um, I don't know. I actually, you know, what? I think, um, I think you're a pretty good example of this. How many times did you refuse tenure? <laughs> For a long time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, no, not so, tenure, not tenure. Promotion to full promotion. professor. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. If I refused yeah. tenure, I would have been fired, which I, I wasn't courageous enough to do that. So, so, but that would be a pretty good example. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of, yeah. Of, yeah. of the, of the act. I that mean, would be the act. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, that's awesome. Can I just well, read a little bit? Oh, wait, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was, was just going to say that, that, that yeah. like it, like I would be the, I would be the start in this example. Like I was ah, willing to give nice. up everything except my actual job. Right. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nicely done. That's, that's very, yeah. very good. The, um, I was, I was just going to pull us back a little bit to uh, 193 to, to, to pay off a little bit um, of his positioning of the real, um, because what he, he writes that the, the example of trauma proves that the real is also the exact, uh, opposite of, uh, this positivity, uh, an entity which does not exist, but has nevertheless a series of properties. And then he says, if we try to define the real and its relation to the function of writing, uh, we must of course, in a first approach state that the real cannot be inscribed, that it escapes inscription, the real of sexual relation, for example. But at the same time, the real is the writing itself as opposed to the signifier. The Lacanian acree has the status of an object, not of a signifier. And then he goes on to say more that like, um, the, this immediate co- coincidence of opposite or even contradictory determinations is what defines the Lacanian real. And uh, he pulls in the three orders and, and he's like this thing that, you know, we've talked about before as like the, the real as this impossible hole in the symbolic that nonetheless... Like it, it is not it, it itself uh, necessarily apprehendable, but it, it it maintains the the symbolic as such. Like that we've 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 done this on the podcast before. I think when we did our podcast on the three orders, I mean, like I, I don't think we could have described it that way without Slavoj's intervention. Without Slavoj, right? I think yeah. that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Like like this, he's already here giving some great instances of what he means by or how we should think of symbolic, imaginary, and real, right? Like, I mm-hmm, think that mm-hmm. that's, I think that's pretty good. Like, that, 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 he, he, he and, and I think, just as you said, he's, he's trying to make the access symbolic real, mm-hmm. the more important access, which allows us to understand real better than mm-hmm. if we are thinking, focusing on the imaginary symbolic access is the important one. Yeah, it, it makes it too. I mean, the point of it is that it's elusive, but it can't be too elusive to right, right, exist right. Uh, at all. Then it's then it's like it does. Um, well, then you know what happens? It ends up becoming the. Um, you don't want it to be this this thing where when you can't define when it doesn't fall into symbolic or imaginary, then then it's real. Then it's real. Like, right, yeah, right, yeah, like it, it 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 needs to be. Even if what you're saying is that it's the it's a space of like you know, a pure negativity, which would be, I think a way of also saying like, it's defined by what it is not. Like you don't want it to be like, well, just this isn't symbolic. This isn't imaginary. So you back your way in to seeing real and Slavoj wants to put this on the, on, on the, 
like on the front foot that like, right, no, like right. th- this is like, this is, um, apprehendable. Like, like whenever you find th- this, um, like a space of torsion, um, that, uh, that, that is shaping the, the symbolic that this, this, whenever you like, you, you are seeing, um, um, an idea that, or, you know, or, um, like a political formation that is like, like, not allowed to be symbolized, right, perhaps. Right, right. Like that's when you are encountering real. No, I think that's a perfect word, Ryan. The word torsion, like that, 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 because it, you know, like it's the point where it's twisted up and it just doesn't, it, it can't mm-hmm. work out right. You know, like I yeah. think that 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 really gets at what, and 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 you know, obviously, real was important for Lacan, very important, and he he dealt mm-hmm. with it quite a bit. So I wouldn't say that 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 this is something, some kind of innovation on Slavoj's part. Mm-hmm. Like, this is more where he's just saying, this is something. And I think for him, I, I think it gets so much emphasis in this book because I think he sees those other thinkers, Derrida, Foucault, I don't know, Deleuze maybe to some extent, as still, as 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 caught up too much within the symbolic, right? Like, mm-hmm. not admitting a real. And I think that's what he really wants to get from Lacan, that, that that there is this point of failure within the symbolic where we touch the sky, right? Like, and that's yeah. the, I think that's the real, and it's through the torsion of the narrative mm-hmm. that we get to that point. So I think that's, I think that really gets at what the central project, and at the time, you know, why this mm-hmm. book had such an impact, because it went so against this reduce everything to, it's, I mean, it goes against constructivism, basically, right? Yeah. Like, and and I think that so, so gender trouble is nineteen ninety one. So it's kind mm. of a, and that was already that constructivist mindset was already mm. really the dominant way of thinking. Mm. Uh, so I think that that really and and it's probably still the dominant way of thinking, actually, right? Like, it, yeah, I th- I think so. Well, I think this is this is a good spot to. To uh, to quilt to end yes and I, I have a I have a I, my lesson is a, is a, is is my lesson is read Pride and Prejudice because I think oh, he yeah. I think with Slavoj's nice. idea in mind I think you can really see the necessary torsion of that mm. narrative. Excellent, that's really really good, and this leads perfectly into our next episode, which is going to be about Read My Desire, where like Joan uh, puts in the crosshairs historicism and uh, constructivism in, um, in in what she builds in in that book. So. That's right. That's right. Join us next time for that. Read Pride and Prejudice and Todd. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs> <laughs>